<laughs> okay, now I'm good. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got a full dose of the radiation. I only got five days left. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinema Demore. I'm your host, Chuck Phillips, joined by Justin Morgan and Lexi. And we're continuing our theme of Neil Blomkamp. I don't know if the world's in a worse shape in this film than it was in District 9. He does have a very critical view of Earth in general. He almost has a very, I don't want to say nihilistic view. I think there is slight optimism that he has somewhere, but what he sees reflected in the world around him that he puts in his films is, nope, this place sucks, it's garbage, and I hate it. This one takes place in the year 21, was it 53? I think it was. So it's like... yeah. It's definitely way further into a future that we won't be around for. Yeah, the the Earth will probably burn up before then or something. We won't make it. It's okay. Don't want to be a part of that future anyways. And it's it's about a man who has five days to live, tries to go to a city that's in space full of rich people so that he can basically heal himself because they went fuck this and they went and lived on a little ring in space that's full of rich people so they don't have to deal with the scum on the Earth. They were tired of it. It's basically, I mean, I feel like this film is probably out of the three, like his three like sci-fi films that he started off with. This is the one that's the most, uh, I guess, relatable to the real world as it is right now, Uh, because that's very much the concept that, you know, people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos seem to be like, how can I get off of this planet as fast as possible and just leave everyone else behind? And like, you know, can we set up that moon colony yet? Can we start colonizing Mars? Like, how fast can I get off this planet with all the other rich people and leave the rest of the poor people here to do whatever and work for me? The factory that Matt Damon works in reminds me of like videos I've seen of Amazon warehouses of just machines going all different Uh, directions, like running people over. Manager that's just or the Tesla plants. Everything. Yeah. Have you heard of the Tesla plants? They say that they are literally like cyberpunk dystopian wastelands. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's very much. There's a lot in this film that that's very still very current. I guess this has like the least. uh, I want to say like the least overall. Like the most fantastical element of this whole movie is that there's like a machine that perfectly heals every disease in your body like that's almost the only real like super out there fantastical element like a lot of the other stuff in this film all feels very real and things that are <laughs> definitely happening the earth, but we could fix you individually it, yeah if we wanted to yeah yeah basically uh there, there's but a I lot think, of that going on i think they could fix the earth they just don't want to because they yeah. work here and they don't like us they're a like a little nah. bit of the the healing technology that they have in Prometheus, except a, yeah, it analyzes you and has to like actually do a surgery. This like yeah. just had two things around you. And yeah. It's like you're cured. It's like of you're leukemia. cured of cancer. Yeah, it's just all gone. But yeah, this this is definitely yeah. I I agree. I feel like it one hundred percent is, and it's kind of the again. It's the same in in the real world right now. All of these corporations could you know help fix the environment and you know cut back on their emissions or do things to you know why? not make global warming yeah exactly what but why would they why what's what's their incentive for it again that's why you know jeff bezos and the other uh richest people in the world are all just like no I'll, we're just eventually going to leave the planet so we're like well, we don't need to fix it rocket ships to explode and they don't we're all disappointed yeah 
yeah you're waiting for them to not make it back to the planet one day and you're like you're like come on maybe this time oh they landed safely again i think the irony of this world too was that they've demonstrated that like i mean on elysium there are no human slaves they have the robots do everything like the only way that you get on elysium is to be a rich lazy person who sits around and does nothing but there are no people there to do any sort of like remedial tasks like it's all robots taking care of everything on that world and then on earth all of like the majority of the higher level positions of work and stuff it's all handled by robots all the police they showed are robots and like it seems like the only thing that we do is like blatant remedial slave labor and that's our only purpose on that planet yeah at this point yeah it feels like it's uh again this we only see la but it seems to be that this is probably what's going on the rest of the planet is just everyone lives in slums and can't afford to take care of themselves can't hospitals are overrun no no one can help themselves every all the police force of the robots seems to be very much you know they just they'll come up and harass you and yeah. uh you know so not much different from uh, human police well, they program the, these these robot police very well to just continue yeah they, they that, program these robot police to continue on the good work and then the parole officers are robots and so it's like basically unavoidable to get your parole extended because it's like once you're in that system it seems like it locks you in and there's literally no way out of it without being like completely like docile and not saying a word kind of thing yeah i like the parole i like the difference in the in the two robots like the that they they try to put on like this fake like happy face onto the parole officer robot like just uh i don't know just because they think that'll make people feel better about themselves or something that they're talking to like i don't know a thing that looks like a ventriloquist dummy instead of a uh, those faceless robots that are the cops an and stuff amusement park or something it yeah. made me think of uh I, and i i almost would imagine this is probably something he was trying to reference they uh they look like the johnny cabs from total recall yeah like it's almost the exact same look and design yeah i was uh, thinking that or like a fallout you're type right yeah deal. And yeah the robots i saw the, in this, I see the we'll fallout. talking about it but all the robots i think are chappy robots aren't they, they basically yeah they're like the design same design yeah. Changed much yeah he yeah. used the same design i feel like when you look at blomkamp's first three films that you could almost look at it like all the same universe in a lot of ways like you can look at the timeline and look at it like different levels of progression into like where we go like i feel like it kind of starts all with district nine but then Chappie's actually like the second place it goes to and then the third place would be elysium but like yeah. he tells the story out of order because like when you go into Chappie, you learn about where the robots even come from how they even get made like the whole process on them so like he has these robots throughout his films but then his third film literally explains his robots and like goes like into like detail and all that kind of stuff so it's interesting to like these demonic uh possession i guess yeah yeah where does where does that take place in the in the universe i want to watch it i think it's on showtime it said yeah it was like a four four out of ten on imdb and i was like that's rough (laughs) i i said before and i was excited to talk about this when you guys when we, we talked about district nine and you guys were like yeah i think this one's his best movie and i was like is it and you made me question myself because i was like i always thought elysium was good and then we went into elysium and i think this is his best movie 
hands down. I'm still with District 9, but I would still say this is a good movie. I don't know if it's a it's not a perfect movie. It's not the best Matt Damon movie. Although we do get Matt Damon screaming in pain like several times and <laughs> that that that's yell interesting yell. Yeah. That like, yell is like <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like it hurt so <laughs> bad. I was like, "Oh it's my god." Acting. Yeah. That's and a good yell. Good at it. I love yeah. Matt Damon. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I I don't know why people give him shit. I guess it's just cuz of like, you know, team america and shit like that but like he <laughs> really america is a phenomenal kimmel actor kimmel messes with him a good bit he's in so much shit like yeah okay funny when i put this movie in because of course i own the steel book it's and i had i had a trailer for old boy the the josh <laughs> brolin old boy and it's so weird it looks so dated it does, doesn't look like it looks like something that was made in the 90s or something like that but then there was also a trailer for Monuments Men, which I remember seeing and not liking. But I didn't remember Matt Damon was in it. Hmm. And he's like he's like the second main character to George Clooney's character. Yeah. I, I enjoy like, everything he's in. He's the guy on the landmine. I didn't even remember that he was the one that was stuck on the landmine. Yeah, I forgot oh, like, yeah. about that movie. I know what it's you're not talking a good about movie. Now. It's yeah. Not really yeah. George Clooney's done three movies. One of them is good. <laughs> Yeah, he he's very much like uh he has like the same thing as um uh Ben Affleck. I feel like Ben Affleck's in the same boat where it's like he's done like three movies and I I, I don't know that the quality of them has necessarily gone up at all. Like it feels like people are like, oh, Gone Baby Gone, such a good movie. Then they then he did The Town and they were like, that was a good movie. And then it's like Argo and I'm like, eh, okay, he's I mean he he can direct. I don't, I I don't know that he should continue. Bad. And the, yeah, and then that one was just bad. Like it's like I, I don't know where, you know, he he's gonna keep trying to to direct. I'm sure, but Ben Affleck is the that. best Batman, hands down. He should have remained as Batman. He is uh, a good Michael Batman. Keaton disagrees. No, he was built for that role. He was the absolute best um, Bruce Wayne. So we he always really watch, did that well. Like the news always rolls into Entertainment Tonight, which. I don't particularly like, but they always have interviews with him, and they bring up like how how Batman's going to be in Aquaman, the new Aquaman movie. And Ben Affleck's just so over it. He's like, he's like, people bring up Batman. He's like, God damn. He's like, people care way too much about Batman. It's all <laughs> I hear about. It's Batman, Batman, Batman. Like, he just, he can't stand that that is what people want to talk to him about. That's kind of like what happened with Keaton, too. Well, there's been enough other Batman. Well, I guess he's coming back, so... We're gonna get more playing, Batman. I think he's playing. In, uh, playing Batman can be a curse in a lot of well, ways. Oh, in the Flash movie, that's like uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers is like yeah, putting it they're, out. They're anyways. like forced to forced to release. <laughs> yeah, Ezra Miller is like <laughs> the worst thing that's happened to them. Yeah, I mean, he's also in their he's Harry really Potter bad. or their um, uh, yeah, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. <laughs> he's he's like their go to actor. They're like, they're like, do we just keep recasting it? every role in these films? Like every new movie comes out, it's a whole new cast, and then we just wait to see what problems they have before we recast the next one. Yeah. And the Batman, uh, the Batman men in the Flash are Affleck and Keaton, so they have both of them in it. Yeah. I just, so, like, I don't know, because they said even Matt Reeves said that his Batman was way different than the than the type of Batman that Affleck was going to direct and star in. Well, I mean, obviously the 
the new the Robert Pattinson one was young year one Batman, and I'm sure Affleck's was going to have to be more Dark Knight Returns old man Batman. Well, he was talking more about the tone. He was like his tone, that mystery tone was like not remotely in the Affleck one. Yeah. So so back to Elysium. <laughs> yeah. We're getting you off can't on talk all, about getting Matt off Damon. On, on all Matt Damon's friends. That's fair. I mean, but well, we are allowed to talk about Diego Luna. He's in the yeah, movie. He is in that movie. We this can talk a, about like Pablo just... Escobar. I mean, I don't know that actor's name. We can talk about him. I feel like it's another movie too, where and we talked about that with District Nine. That I don't know. I don't know if Neil Blomkamp's just not as good at directing actors as he is at directing action. But this felt like it had. It doesn't have that found footage aspect, where at least you could kind of ignore in District Nine when some of the some of the people aren't good actors. It's like, oh, well, it's like supposed to be like they're real people. And this one feels kind of all over the place with like who's good and who's not. Uh, I would agree. This is, I don't think this is Matt Damon's specific performance, best movie, but I think he's good in it. Diego Luna's fine in it. I, I don't know that I like Jodie Foster or think she's particularly good in it. Oh, like I she's, think she's, she's a great. bit too much. I feel like she's too, uh, I don't know. Oh, there's, I love her. There's she's like, no, played there's, his immediate boss at the factory. Was yeah. Actor. Yeah. There's like, I, I feel like she's, She's a very one-dimensional villain that just from the moment you see her is pretty much already like, oh, I just want to kill everyone on the space station and take over it for myself, and then never changes once from that Jody, will you be until she gets stabbed in the neck. Movie? I don't want to deal with, do with that. Well, you're going to be in space, so you could just pretty much film it in your mansion. Uh, yeah, we'll, just, we'll, we'll green screen it in later. They, uh, they couldn't. They couldn't get Sigourney Weaver, so. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that was his first choice. Neil he Blomkamp. was talking to Sigourney Weaver because he was going to do Alien 5 or whatever yeah. they were calling it. He was. And then he sparked that interest back in Ridley Scott, who took his IP back. <laughs> I, I, I really like this movie. Like, you guys are like, I think that. No, I like shows... it. I... <sighs> we both like it. We both think it's good. I don't. I, don't know I think the, the writing's really good on it. Like I think I, I just think District Nine. Like I feel like the reason I go back to that one more is because that had like a lot more like bold of a style that it chose to go with. Whereas this one, that there's a lot of this movie that just feels like feels could have been directed by anybody. Like there's not like that that first yeah. movie had like it felt like a real a real strong like point of view from him that he was bringing with like, like mixing the found footage and then halfway through turning it into a body horror film and then going full on like mech fight at the end of that one. Like it had like, I think that one just had like more originality to it. Whereas as much as I like this one and I, I do think it's a good movie. I just feel like there's a lot of parts in it and I almost feel like it's all the parts that aren't specifically what he likes to do, which is, uh, the effects in action like i love the the scene when they take down the uh ship that has his boss on it that he that he needs to steal the info from like that's one of the best action yeah it's excellent. scenes of all time and i think it's i think it's great and i love the the different weaponry they use they have like the bullets that make things explode the bullets that like explode in the air in front of the target so it blows that uh it blows that robot to pieces in slow motion it looks everything about that whole scene looks awesome but then it's like all the parts in between when it's again when it's just like i feel like him directing actors to to talk and do dialogue scenes that just feel like he could have had like a b 
unit doing it and just be like, yeah, just film film Matt Damon and Diego Luna talking for a while. I'm going to storyboard some action sequences. Like it feels like there's a disconnect between who directed those, even though I, I know it's him, but it feels like he does bring that originality when he's doing those amazing action sequences or doing the battles with Matt Damon and Charlton Copley's characters going back and forth. Like he films them really well. And it's, it's just very obvious. I feel like that that's where, more of his attention goes to like he's splitting his his time 70 30 between i'm really into these action sequences and eh, we'll just film some basic stuff for like these dialogue sequences i don't need to do anything really unique or interesting for him i i love the i think the dialogue's really good i think it's an everyman story that's the whole point it's one of those every man who becomes the hero kind of things it's been done a billion times before i'm not gonna sit here and say like oh i've never seen anything like this absolutely it's your basic video game level get from bottom to the top if i have a final boss fight you know beat the game that's all there like it's all fairly standard and it's like progression of the like the levels and what have you but like the writing is really good to me like i think the writing on this one's solid maybe it's just matt damon's performance like he carries this like quality about him that you really do like feel what he's going through and like the whole thing at his job and like his fear of like getting in trouble again and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's really well portrayed and then like the way that he's fucked over and how little like the company cares about him. Like I like how that's all executed and the scene when he's put inside the oven, like it's brutal. Like, and then the the robe the fact that he even survives it, and then the robot just takes the pills and like throws them at him, and they're like, "You have five days. Take these pills, and that's all it is." And you're just like, "Wow!" Like nobody gives a fuck about anybody in this world, and it's like I'm this guy is pills, just like I cared. But it's mm-hmm. like it's like you can see like that as you're watching it, you feel that emotion building up in yourself, where it's like I'm so fucking tired of it too, and like. I could see this reality and I can see this happening and this sort of thing. Cause it's like the world's gotten so shitty and corporations do this stuff. And I and, and like, I love the way that the boss just like, doesn't care. He exhibits like such a level of like disconnect from everyone else. And they do such a good job of showing that disconnect between the rich and like the poor, like how they've just completely separated themselves. And like when he finally gets to the point when he's like, I'll do whatever it takes to get there. And they like mech suit him and shit. Like it gets on, man. Like that, just, that shit looks good. Like as soon as he gets all hooked into that, like E-frame thing, like that's where it all goes down. And of course, like once again, we've got Blomkamp combining a wonderful, you know, selection of like really solid practical effects with like top tier CG. You can definitely see like between district nine and here, how much his like CG cleans up. Like, this one, they're seamless. Everything's seamless in this movie. Like, his effects in this movie are so, so good. And I love his designs. And I like how, like, when he goes into his world, like, you really feel like you're entering back into the Blomkamp universe. And, like, it really does feel like a cohesive world that you know what you're going to get. And it's going to be really fun and exciting. And so that's what you're hoping for when you go into these movies is like, you remember the last one and it's like, you're looking for more of that kind of thing. And I think he delivers, especially on his action and his like combat sequences. stuff. there's some amazing weapons in this movie, like, like that fucking gun yeah. that he's at the end that like, it's just, I don't even know what it is. 
the the gas gun or whatever the hell it is. The one thing I, I have issue with in this one is um, it doesn't feel like L.A. And if you're co- trying it to portray, like L.A. to me, no, it looks like uh, <laughs> that how it, it looks like South Africa. Yeah, it, it's definitely shot in South Africa. Like yeah. it's it's very very much like the slums and stuff and the way that they're done. I mean, if the does world look goes like that South way, Africa, then every, the whole world looks that way. But here's yeah, the problem. Yeah, but I feel like it would still look more like even it's if LA. It was like it would still look like a city that had just gone. Yeah. it would look more like I Am it, Legend or something like right. it like a city that's been overgrown and there stuff were some like that. Buildings. It wouldn't <laughs> yeah, be overgrown yeah. even because <laughs> it would be. It would be like what it is, which is an overcrowded, overpopulated city where yeah. they're just utilizing everything to the point that it's like in disarray. But when they here's here's where I, I'm going back to my issue. When they show um, him leaving his home, where his home is located, that area, it's a very open desert. Whenever they show aerial shots of what are also supposed to be where he lives, it's very clearly L.A., like it's very clearly like barrios of LA, like that flatter area where the poor people live. And so when you see those aerial shots and you understand like LA's grid system, it wouldn't look the way that it does in the film. Like he's walking up like a hillside somewhere. I'm like, well, you're not you in the it. LA. It's just not a good movie. They <laughs> yeah, all, off LA. Yeah. He's he's great at special effects, but he can't pull off L.A. So yeah, I'm I'm interested. I would be interested to see. I read uh, I was reading before and I've seen this pop up that he originally was had talked to Eminem about playing the lead. But that would be great because he because he wouldn't. I guess he told like Neil Blomkamp, like, well, you had to set the movie in Detroit because he's all about Detroit and he wouldn't do it. And I was like, oh. Would have just been one other. It's like it still would have probably looked like South Africa because that's still where he would have filmed it. So it wouldn't have even really yeah, mattered. Exactly. But I, and I think that was part of it too. Like he actually wanted Neil Blomkamp to like film it in Detroit. Like he wanted him to come to America and and film it here. Like Eminem didn't want to go to South Africa like for an months Eminem because Matt Damon's character looked pretty strong to begin with. So they have somebody in the mech suit that get someone just like, like skinnier that like. Yeah. yeah, like a well, scrawny little person that it, has that exoskeleton. Now they got all that muscle. Eminem uh, could pull the, the banger role, like the ex-banger role. He'd be much better with yeah. that portrayal, too. I feel like it's still like like Matt Damon's still too like every man, like you were saying. Like he still looks too like middle class, middle America, even with putting tattoos on him. He still doesn't look His like tattoos he's still look weird. Yeah. Like it's just well, it's the, something the, about the, him that just he doesn't pull off criminal. He, in this movie, he looked to uh, Euro Trip. He looked yeah. kind of like similar to this Euro Trip <laughs> character. I was gonna say though, District Nine. The reason why I think I like it more is because it comes off more like an original idea. Like you said, this feels like it's going into the Blomkamp universe in Elysium, but Elysium just kind of looks like a mishmash of a bunch of video games that I played in the early two thousands. Like I agree it makes with that. me think of like a Call of Duty where they're like it's in the future. Like I- I'm sure they had that. So, yeah. you know, well, and I said and shit like that. I said the, before, too, that he set the tone for like science fiction and like that sort of stuff in the 2010s. And like everything that he sets up in this movie is 100 percent in Call of Duty games. But so there like, is I think there is the crossover, problem, too, because District 9 has like that emotional core. I'd agree. Like you don't really see the connect with his wife and his his father in law, like falls out of place pretty fast but then when he starts to relate to the uh the prawns and uh christopher like 
it, it's in a, a totally different level of emotion that like Chappie, I guess, could be kind of closer, but they decide to go a route with people that also can't act in CG that doesn't show a lot of emotion. <laughs> so, yeah. But with like this, like, yeah, I don't know. The special effects in it are, are great. But some of the concepts, too, like when uh, Kruger ends up getting his face blown off and then they put him in the machine and bring him back to life, they totally stole that from the masterpiece Jason X. <laughs> I, I think that that point when they put him in the machine and bring him back, I would say that's the weakest point in this film. Like, I think they should have allowed Kruger to have died with his face. Because that scene is great when they're like, the ship's rolling and nobody can get to the fucking grenade. And it's just like, it then just blows his face off. Or I was like, cool if they put him in the machine and he didn't come back, like it made something it shouldn't have made. You know? What, but what it did cool is it, it jacked just, his face up. Like it couldn't recreate it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I turned him it, into Matt Damon for some reason. It just drags the movie out by bringing him back into the fold and then having him start this whole like, nonsense on the station of trying to take over and then him getting his own mech suit and then having a one-on-one mech suit fight like lexi that face getting blown off those are pretty sick effects like it looks excellent the coolest looks great yeah i mean everything looks good there's no complaints on that side of things like this is this i feel like this is that point not to cut you off chuck but this is that point in film like where we finally got our cg down and if you're watching a movie and your complaints are like the CG and the audio and like the basic stuff, like we're so good at that stuff now that like, it's really, if you're going in and you're having a bad experience with that stuff, like I feel like the film's a bigger failure. Correction, we can be very good at that stuff now. Yeah. We're yeah not that, that, was, that was what I was about to say. was like, why even going back and watching this film, like reminded me like, like, Oh, CG can look good when like they actually take their time with it. But now it's uh, like, we get to the point where, like the C- yeah the cgi can look good and i know i've like seen all the like people talk about it i know i watch like the corridor digital guys they talk about why like they, I, I they review those is, they review those cgis and they talk about how it's like it's like they're all rushed they send like these shots out to like 50 different cgi teams and like some are a little better than others some are having to like meet different deadlines than others like and it doesn't match up and it's uh, and it it's one of those i also think it's like they're trying to like wherever they can save money they're trying to i mean that was i think what 2000 was 2012 or two i can't remember what year uh life of pi was nominated and that team won for best (laughs) they were already and they were already their company had already gotten shut down because they weren't they didn't make enough money that year or something like that and it was like it was like they just won for having the best effects in the film industry and they're not even in business anymore because they don't have money to to put effects in like everyone's talking about thor uh, well, Eternals, but I, I just to, to make the same connection on yeah. Marvel being cheap. Uh, everyone keeps mentioning Thor, like especially like Heimdall's son, and they're like, "This is a two hundred million dollar movie, and it's got effects <laughs> like this in it, like because <laughs> that looked so awful from like the eighties. It looked, like, it looked terrible. And like, there that was, are that was my some of those thing. Marvel movies look like shit. There but was something the thing, I saw they... recently, and I said that too. I was like, "The CG in this is really not very good for yeah. the amount of money that's being spent on this." Yeah. There was then you see like those Star Wars TV shows; and they look fucking great. Well, so that's the like... difference. That's what I'm trying to get into is that with the Marvel shows, like Eternals, they film shit, and they're like, "We'll add CG later." 
But the difference with Blomkamp being a, a special effects guy, he has the special effects in mind. Yeah, he he's, already, he's already thinking about it, yeah. Like, that's why Dune was so good. Like, they thought about, like, they did brown screen because they're like, this is going to look more natural on all these yeah. characters. And, everything. And, and that's the biggest thing. It's like, he knows the effect shots. He knows what he has to do to get the shots that he needs. And that's why you have a film that looks so good. But then you have something that comes out now, 2022, and you're like, doesn't even remotely look like it's there. Yeah. Phil Venu does have excellent CG in his movies. It all, His movies always look beautiful. That's yeah. one or thing like I can Fincher say about has really good movies. CG too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. He hides it pretty well. Like I was always impressed with Zodiac. Zodiac, like, yeah. Like how, how much of that is like <laughs> he just CGI'd over the whole town to make it look like the '60s and '70s? Like mm-hmm. he just CG'd everything. Yeah. You know what he didn't CG? It he didn't CG Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo and <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So yeah, it's it that is that is a weird. Yeah, just and I I, I know I was like reading another interview where people were criticizing like the the companies that are doing marvel movies and like all the things they've seen for like she hulk that doesn't look that good and like some of these or, or no it was the uh they were specifically the company that did black panther they did that final fight scene and they were like we were just hmm. given like a rough outline of hey this is how this fight scene needs to look and they were like we had no context for anything else in the movie like we we were literally just given a a piece of paper that said like Killmonger and Black Panther are fighting in an underground lair and they're like and they said yep make something out of that and he was like we had basically li- very little input from anybody he's like so we just did what we did and people hated it and thought the thought the characters were moving like rubber bands like they had no no grounding in reality and he's like what did you want me to do I had nothing to tell me what to do with it I just right if they like whatever no I wanted. them or something or had yeah. something to work with so that's hilarious now we're getting Wakanda forever yeah um, in Elysium, <laughs> I was thinking about, well, no, I'm um, thinking about Elysium. Good. Yeah, well, Good for you. the, the product placement in the movie, I think it's really heavy and I know that that can work well. Like I don't have a problem with product placement in science fiction, but I think where it was the year, like 2153, I was like, do you think they'll still have like Bull, Bulvagari and like Bugatti and like all these brands that like at this exact moment are like the top of the line designer brands, because like when it comes to stuff like that, like new designers can always pop up and new technology companies can come up or like old companies can merge together and then become a new company. But like, it's that's easier very to just common. throw some shit on it to make it look like Mad Max or something. <laughs> also, what is Hollywood's obsession with Adidas? Like everybody's got Adidas in movies. Like there's so, always so much it product. It usually placement. comes down to the studio and their sponsors. Uh, that's why you have the script research. They might even have didn't really say anything. They're like, "Can we make this Adidas?" And they're like, "Sure." Right. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got. They're always showing his Adidas. They like focus on them like more than once throughout the film. I don't like. I said I don't hate the product placement, but I like it. I think this would have been in that regard. It would have been nice to see a mix of like I don't have a problem with Bugatti being around because they're like a hundred year old company already and just like they just use the nameplate and different people buy it and stick it on things because like i mean volkswagen owns bugatti right now so like they're not even really bugattis and um they stick it on watches and shit to sell them so it's like i'm okay with that but like it would have been cool to see like a new corporation exist atari yeah yeah they made a comeback 
in the year 2053. Yeah. They're back. Like one of my favorite things about Blade Runner is like at the time they're like Atari, it's it's going to be huge. And it's like one of the first companies to fail in, you know, technology. Yeah. Or the so Pan like, Am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see a lot of that. Yeah, I guess I guess that's 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 Kodak. the rescue, that's the risky one run putting a product placement in a film that's supposed to take place 50 to 100 years in the future is like, well, I certainly hope they don't fail very soon. <laughs> a lot of Fuji film and old science fiction. It is kind of funny because it's like, you know, they could have like some Red Bull product placement in like 200 years, but literally in 10 years, there's like the company goes bankrupt or some shit. That's what I'm saying. It's like, gone. it's it's one of those kind of things. It's just like, it's hard to do that sort of product placement in films. It can well, it, it can like date your films to like okay like Back to the Future, Pizza Hut's product placement totally legit. You know what I mean? Like Jaws nineteen, they didn't make that. Many Jaws <laughs> they didn't make that. Then. But they certainly have made like enough killer shark movies that they may as well have made Jaws nineteen. I kind of wish they just made a shitty Jaws nineteen. I mean, just before the movie, like some sort of tie-in or something like that. That dude. The, the the two thousands was a killer shark resurgence. Like yeah, that was Deep a sea, hard time. That. Yeah, Deep Blue Sea is not bad. That's a good Deep one. Blue it's sea maybe actually, the best non Jaws shark movie. That's it was the, actually the, like written to be a Jaws movie, and yeah. I, they lost the rights to it. So it's its own unique yeah. shark movie. That's the one with LL Cool J, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that movie. He gets shot in the leg by Thomas He's so Jane. good in that movie. Yeah. He's excellent. <laughs> Sam Jackson gets eaten halfway through after yeah. delivering that That's uh, like the, one of the best lot. moments because he's like yeah. mid-monologue. Yeah, that that's whole excellent. And the shark just jumps out and eats him whole. Wait, wait, wait we're not talking <laughs> about Deep Blue Sea, guys. Yeah. Uh, well, now now I feel like I'm like, we're going to like Deep Blue Sea into uh, next, our next watch list. Oh, my God. I fit that one in. Uh, but yeah, Samuel like, Jackson movies where your characters are yeah. wet. <laughs> the uh, oh, I God. do like product placement in sci-fi films, although I always I, I would say I'm always disappointed when they're not as perfect as RoboCop, which still has the greatest fake ad placements of any film of all time. Right. Like, I'll never and, and that's almost like I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I love that overly fake, like like just really kind of shoving it in your face how terrible of a world Dude. they're all living in by like running these awful ads for like this That's a show. Paul Verhoeven specialty yeah. cuz like Starship Troopers and RoboCop two of yeah. like the best satirical commercial movies yeah. like he does it so great I, yeah. so I always, I always love those I like I, I was just think of I'd buy that for a dollar and like everyone's exactly. just like losing their minds <laughs> like it's the funniest thing in the world that was the best. I love that movie. I like the ad for the SU the X SUX nine thousand. Uh, yeah, the yeah, stuff like that. Like it's, it's like it's really great at just just showing you. It's like it's like, oh yeah, remember? Don't forget these characters live in the worst possible world they could live in. Like this is the stuff that they have to buy and live with every day. Like, right. So I think like that's a missed opportunity in Elysium is that weird science fiction product placement because also like that. The product placement of the world, as you just stated, can show you the level of suck and the level of like how much they're trying to make you ignore it. Like take this pill or take this drug or yeah, eat this there, food. Any or... really big companies in Elysium, like you almost feel like Coca-Cola or something. I mean, Coca-Cola probably would be like, we're not OK with you making us the villain. Well, <laughs> yeah. See, that Elysium. that goes back to my complaint about it being L.A. When you think of L.A., like let's look, it's like the game Cyberpunk 2077. That's basically like about a city that's literally outside of L.A. 
all it is a giant glowing advertisement like and we're talking about 2153 like i think that you know the world would be la is a part of the united states in the future it drifts off into the ocean or sinks oh oh, yeah the earthquake that like takes it out and makes it an island that's (laughs) like escape from la escape from la yeah (laughs) which i think they're making another one of those too supposed to yeah but I, i mean like L.A. would be littered with advertising. It's littered with advertising now. It's probably where they put some of the most bold and complex advertisements. There was a great moment, though, when um, Kruger opened up his ship, his, like, door on the back of his ship, and garbage flew in. Just, like, papers and shit like that. Did did you like that his ship had a uh, South African flag on it? I didn't see that. It's when he, there's a shot when he's lifting off after he got inside the ship and you can see the South African flag right next to the door. I do like when Matt Damon hides under the pigs and the pigs pigs come back into his movie and then they're like, fuck <laughs> it, we're, we're going to send flying Roombas to search for him. And <laughs> like the minute he steps outside, one of those fucking Roombas is already on his ass. Yeah. I do send like out the children. To- when he goes back to communicate, he picks up the broken Roomba. I do like him using the car mirror. Like, he breaks the mirror, first of all, which is like, isn't enough shit broken, Matt Damon? You have to keep breaking <laughs> more shit. But he uses it the peak, but, like, the the drone immediately is like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can recognize him just by yeah, that little we can bit see of the reflection, face. Yeah. I think Kruger's a great villain. He's like completely out of his mind. He has some of the best lines in the movie. He has some of the best like sequences. I love when he's first introduced and he just walks up to that car, pulls out a rocket launcher and like is just standing there in a field and like blows down the three ships from like in his next to a dirty van and then just puts his shit away and goes home. Like it's like, I like another when day jumps over his head and rips the thing off the back of his head. Yeah, that was cool. Was it good? But like, I, I mean, I guess like overall, like when you get towards the end and it's like, you're going to have to die. And it's like, yep, I know. It just, it's not really emotional at all. And they cut back to him like as a kid because he liked that woman. Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, because you're, you're bringing up the, the <laughs> like, I, I do like a lot about this movie. Although I feel like the, uh, the most out of place, worst thing in this movie that I just could, absolutely could not buy is the... When he's like staring up at Elysium and the nun that's there is like, take my locket. And he opens up and it's a picture of the earth. I was like, is that was that nun wearing a locket with a picture of the earth in it this entire time? Like just waiting for this moment to be like, like one day I'm going to need to inspire somebody with how beautiful the earth looks. Like I was like, that was like the that's very specifically the one thing in this whole and movie. Then he dies. I, like, I cannot. Earth. I was like, I, and I, yeah, I liked but, that sequence. <laughs> I, I, that was I, well I just felt like it, like like if she could have done it any other way, like like even giving him like a book and like he he could rip the page out that has like a picture of the earth, but like the fact that she literally has a locket with just the picture, just the picture of the earth in it, like for I like no when reason it was that close up of him and he says blah 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 sister, and I'm like, why is he calling his sister sister? And then it cut to the nun, and I'm like, oh shit, he's talking to he is talking to his sister. I was like, what's with this dialogue? Yeah. I mean, I do like the fight. Yeah, I like the final scene. And when he's like talking to Frey and he's like, you know, like, yeah, he finally gets to see the earth from from Elysium. And, and it looks like, you know, it's like he says, like, it's very beautiful from up here. But but I, I just still I, I didn't like the moment with, this, with the nun just having a, a locket with a picture of the earth. In it this is a movie 
that's just riddled with Hollywood cliches. This whole movie is a Hollywood cliche. Every inch of it, from start to end, it is just then how up is it the, the ass. Camp? Because how? he takes he takes all of the stuff and he just does it really well. He took <laughs> he, puts he all took together. he went to the store. He bought all the same ingredients off the shelf that everybody else uses, but he threw them in the stew and mixed them together just right, and it came out really well. And like, even you though the formula and not make a good movie, I, exactly. Like at the same time, like it's also really hard to follow the formula and do it well. And I think like this is a prime example of somebody taking a very formulaic idea and concept and just like knocking it out the park. Like you can do this. I mean, people talk about the raid all the time. The raid is one of the most formulaic films out there. It's very well executed. Like it's, it's all about how that's what I look for. in a lot of times with film is I like simple film. Like I'm not someone who's always looking for a deep intellectual film. I like a really well done action film. I watch fast and furious movies. Like when you can give me like a really well done, very basic action adventure story like bam i'm fucking here for it every time and like even with every cliche like i felt i felt the sadness of like when he finally saw earth for the first time like from space and like looked at the locket like i thought that that worked for me like i'm like okay damon fine it worked on acting i thought he was just like this I, movie i thought rough. matt damon was so good in this movie like i thought that he was excellent in this film <laughs> i do think his ah, tattoos his tattoos look stupid he doesn't leave you with the gangbanger belief. Like, I think that Blomkamp has an obsession with, like, the gangbanger stuff. And he always tries to incorporate that into his films. Only if I it's in it... demonic. Right. <laughs> but, but, like, I, I think, like, I think everything is done really well here. I heard Eminem. I heard that a long time ago that Eminem was asked to do this. But I think what it really comes down to is that Eminem has stated that after doing 8 Mile, he's never going to act again. Because it, it, it was like a hole in one. He did such a good job. He, he, he did an excellent job. It's just too hard on him. He said it was just, it, it's like a lot yeah, of that is. That's what I'm saying. Like, if yeah. you ever get a hole in one golf, that's where you're supposed to stop. So, like, that's yeah. how it, you leave the game. It can never get better. Right. He was also in The Wash. That was his other movie. He, he was, was a cameo in Funny People. That too. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. That was a great movie. I liked Funny People a lot. It's not very funny. But that's that's good. I never seen it. It's basically a movie that makes fun of Adam Sandler's career. Yeah. That's that's fair. With Adam Sandler it. in it. Oh, okay. Does that mean yeah. that fucking uh, Snyder is in it? Because I can't stand no. him. Rob no, Schneider. they made sure to oh. keep all of his cronies away from it. Oh, it's Judd Apatow, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's it. That's all you need to say. I I know completely now. It's that style of like it's yeah, a comedy, yeah, yeah. but it's not like funny. <laughs> yeah, like they make fun of like all his like Waterboy type movies and shit. Yeah, like yeah. Jack and like Jill. He, he's an actor that made all this awful, awful shit. He, he still did. goes back to it. Well, remember when he did Uncut Gems and he's like, "Listen, if if I don't win an award, I'm just gonna make, make the another worst Jack movie ever." Movie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Uncut Gems is one of my favorite movies. The movie's insane. I love. No, that he movie. said he said if he didn't win the award for for a good movie, he's gonna make sure that his next one's a bad movie. He's like, fine. You don't wanna you don't wanna give me the you don't wanna give me any awards Which for he's, trying. He's with Safdie Brothers again for their next movie, yeah. so. It's probably comedy. It's, it's Grown Ups 3. <laughs> oh, God. Directed by the Safdie brothers. Yeah. I mean, it would be the best one. 
Not not that there's like a high bar to go over, but <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen all their like short films and stuff, but Good Time and Uncut Gems are yeah. wonderful movies. Uncut Gems is one of my all-time favorite films. Did you it's see so Good stressful. Time? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, it's so good That's with Petitsen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. It is. I mean, not for everyone in the film, but not really. There really nothing good is happening to anybody <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> oh man. I, I feel like nobody cares about Elysium but me. <laughs> we care about Elysium. There's things to care it, about, yeah. But you just, have to get you have okay. to talk about Elysium to get the chappy, the real masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. See that right. one. This is going to be my first time going into that film, so we'll see. Oh, oh, you haven't we'll seen see. it yet. I yeah, I love it. So I remember, I, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll break the seal on that unopened steel book that I was gifted for yes. my birthday, like it's time 10 years ago. Whenever that movie came out, the disc, the disc doesn't. Work. Yeah, the disc doesn't work. It's or the there's disc no, rock. there's no disc inside there. <laughs> yeah, yeah all something I, happened. All I can say with Chappie is he went back to the same store. Bought the same ingredients. Went to go make the stew oh my and God, just you botched it this time. Stew. Your stew analogies have to end. Uh, no, I, I can't. Stew's a perfect analogy, man. He lets the meat soak for a little bit. Yeah, it's a fine bisque. <laughs> I can I can go to different things. I can do. Uh, well, I, I noticed it took him like took him four years between District Nine and Elysium. Yeah, and in two years he had Chappie out. And then it's like fucking seven or eight years before yeah. he did Demonic, which he was trying nobody, to work on all those his other names films. like not even associated with it. Because I remember seeing the trailer for it, thinking it looked somewhat decent, and then I remember it being called Demonic, and I'm like, I'm never gonna remember <laughs> remember yeah, it's right. like a generic title. He got he got like the M Night Shyamalan treatment of like uh, release this movie, but like don't like what was it? Devil I think was the first Devil. one. Devil's they, like, where they, they took like, his name like they pretty much like made sure you didn't know it was an M Night Shyamalan movie. But it's, yeah, like, I never just, knew. Just it was quietly him. release that one and don't tell people it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. And then it's a pretty decent movie. And they're like, ha, we got you. That was M Night Shyamalan. Well, there was that one where I th- that they had the trailer, and when it's like from the mind of M Night Shyamalan, and everyone's like, ah, oh, like audibly. Yeah. Growing. I, I think like when you look at Elysium compared to District Nine, like you can tell that he made waves in Hollywood and they were like, Oh, you're you're something to pay attention to. We're gonna throw so much fucking money at you for your second film. Like we're gonna give you like full access to like real actors, none of this like you know, you having we're to find give what you, you the can get. Damon. Yeah, we're gonna give you the top of everything that we can give you. Uh, like, what else can we give him? Throw in Jodie Foster. Product yeah. placement up the ass. Like you've what? What, what brands are we gonna slap on this boy? Like this was really like the like a, Chappie's got like I think Chappie has Sigourney Weaver in it, and it does. It does. Hugh Jackman and like Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I don't think Demonic has anybody in it. I don't know who's in that one. But yeah, like this one, the they Chappie definitely. We're gonna talk about that when we talk about Chappie. Like, did this movie hurt his career or something? It really did. Well, yeah, it's it. I, and I don't think I don't think it helped. Like again, we I know we've brought it up in the past couple episodes. Like I, I feel like it, it kind of did hurt that he was so like he was putting so much time and effort into that aliens concept, and then to have it yeah. just taken away from it. Which that's that that was I don't know what that's like Ridley Scott's thing now is like anytime something gets brought up about like a property he's worked on before, he's like, no, nah, 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 I, I think I'm working on something. Like, I feel like 
because he did the same thing with Blade Runner. Like, but I think that was like he had no say over that or no control over it because he wasn't really doing anything. But when it was coming up, like, oh, yeah, Dennis Villeneuve's doing Blade Runner. He was like, you know, I had ideas for a new Blade Runner movie or something like that. People were like, yeah, I hear it. Like he was he was trying to do the same thing with that. He really is. But just let other people have at it. Like, I would rather have more movies like what was the one that he just did with the um, with Matt Damon. What was it called? The was it the last mm. something? The last duel. Last yeah. duel was oh, the last really duel. good. I, I feel like it was he... a very accurate. Uh, that was like the only accurate uh, Oscars joke that was. That was does anyone want this free screen of the last duel? I know no one else watched it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were all like excited about House of Gucci, which I sound like it had pretty mixed reviews. But I, lo- I didn't see that. But I loved Last Duel, and everyone else had seen it. See, also, I, I haven't really had anyone that had complaints about the movie. I think like when he went into Chappie that there was this like idea of letting him do what he wants at this point. Cause like with the success of district nine and then Elysium and they were like, okay, he's clearly like a moneymaker. He's clearly like good to invest in. And like, we don't need to like come in and like mess with his vision and they let him do what he wants with Chappie. And I think that's what, where they completely failed was like, letting him go a little bit more unhinged with that one because like it's He's the only south african slash canadian director that i can think of <laughs> that's crazy yeah I, I don't understand where like did peter jackson find him yeah jackson was watching his shorts online because he was just releasing these like little like he did the halo thing and then he had like little snippets of his robots because he was making his robots before he made like any of his movies and stuff. So his robot design was just kind of like something he'd already been off the chain. Yeah. And, uh, then he got to where he is, but like, he's a young guy. He, he, yeah. He'll be directing movies forever unless something, when he was doing that aliens movie, he left that movie to do a science fiction film. And I can't remember what the hell the name of the movie was, but it was like a major book. And when I went on his IMDB to look it up, it's like, I couldn't find any information on it. It has a really long title. And that's why he stopped doing aliens was because he was asked to go do this thing. And it was a major project and I've been waiting for it to come out. And I completely forgot about it. I was like, it was after Chappie that he started working on it. And that was I mean, it. You definitely can hit some move. You can hit it out of the park with a lot of movies and still not have the freedom to make whatever you want in the future. I mean, the box office numbers for Chappie are terrible. I, I mean, this movie did hurt his career quite severely. Like uh, we'll get into it when we get into it, but like what about Elysium, was that good? Oh yeah. Moneymaker all day. Made all kinds of money. I know I saw all of his movies in theaters except demonic. <laughs> yeah. I saw all of his stuff in theater too. So that's funny. I think I, yeah, no, I was, I, I just gonna say, I don't know if I saw, I saw Chappie in theater. Cause I missed like the first like three minutes of it. Chappie probably also failed so hard because the marketing on it was, Heavy. terrible not terrible like it was on it was everywhere yeah you weren't getting away from chappy and then <laughs> shitty in the box office and they're like well we spent 200 million dollars on the marketing of chappy it's like suicide yeah. squad when you're in la when the original suicide squad came out the marketing for it was crazy i mean there are we uh i think we talked about it when we did uh tenet uh back yeah. earlier in the year about like how doing doing that one one bad movie can like just kill your career instantly which i don't think has happened with him i think he's still getting but like uh what we were talking about wally fister who was 
Nolan's original director of photography for how many of his films. And he did that one terrible movie, Transcendence, with Johnny Depp. And he has literally never uh, worked in the film industry since then in, like, any capacity. Like, not as, a, not as a director of photography, not as a producer, nothing. Like, his IMDb credits stop with that film, and that's, like, seven or eight years ago. Like, like so I guess it is possible to do a movie I actually so saw bad him that... suggested as a friend on Facebook for me. Because he's probably just like, you know, he's probably working at, you know, PNC Bank or something around here. Like, he probably doesn't have anything going on in his life. His, his yeah, career got killed. You get these weird relationships with people, too. Like, you're talking about the DPs, and they'll do, like, several movies together, and then they'll do one switch, and then they're off with this other. It's like they're just like it's Roger like a Deacons. relationship. Deacons Roger Deacons just, just off with uh, Dennis Villeneuve forever now. Well, not. He didn't do the dudes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's so done now, with him. Now, now who's he on to next? I'm surprised he got him because I guess he's hanging out with Sam really Mendes now because he did a uh, he did oh, the yeah, Bond movies with him and then he did 1917. Oh, there's a new one too that Sam Mendes did. Is Earth coming out? He should do an Aronofsky movie because Aronofsky's movies are always like pretty raw looking. <laughs> I want to see the Deacon's treatment to that. I like. I don't Aronofsky's. even know who the cinematographer is for for Blomkamp's movies. I think he does his own cinematography. There's I think no he's got. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know 100, percent but I know he definitely is heavily involved in stuff. Don't lie he's got, to the pod people. He's got some pretty dynamic action sequences. Yeah, I'm looking it up. You guys yeah. can talk about anything. Yeah, you're good. I prefer I, some just Elysian. Fill, fill in the space while you're while you're looking that up. I mean, the only person I think that I know that really does their own. That's like their own director of photography is Soderbergh, and I don't even know if he still does that. Or what do you he's... What do you mean? They're the greatest DTA's director been doing ever. It a little bit. Uh, what's his name? The, the Zack Snyder. He does his own directing photography. <laughs> he's a one man. In fact, he doesn't even in have fact, anyone else there. That did you did that's the that stupid zombie movie that he just made. He did Army everything on that. He did all the cinematography yeah. for that. Wouldn't surprise me. He shows because that movie looks movie's awful. A, God, that movie's uh, a piece of shit. Trent Opalock is his okay. cinematographer. There you which go. He did the awful, or what? No, he did the okay one. He did the <laughs> Winter Soldier. He did one of the Avengers movies, Endgame. He did Infinity War. He did Civil War. He did Chappie. Doing a lot of wars. Yeah, so he did. He did all of uh, Neil Blomkamp's movies. Well, I don't okay. know. Let me see if Demonic's on here. Yeah, who did Demonic? And a bunch That's of Marvel shit. Yeah. He moved on to bigger and better things and left Neil Blomkamp in South Africa, apparently. <laughs> Demonic. <laughs> 2021 Demonic. I know Shot Blomkamp did one of the Die Antwerp videos. Byron Copman. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fake name. <laughs> he did Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, he's just a oh, god for that. Okay. I don't know if he de- was a director. For, he was cinematographer for a couple of things, but... Oh, I don't know of anything we've ever seen. <laughs> I've done uh, cinematography, but nothing for you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I've never seen anything that this guy's done. The demonic guy. Hmm. Shit. Hmm. Poor guy. Yeah. That was actually my what I focused on in school was doing cinematography. Was that Charto Copley guy in demonic? No, no idea. I haven't seen him in like anything, and then now he's in that new movie with Idris Elba that we saw that trailer for before. Uh... Beast. Yeah. I told I asked Steph the other day, I'm like, "Do you want to go see Beast?" And she's like, "No." 
why is this? them being attacked by like a lion? Yeah. Like, I definitely want to go see oh, that movie. That movie that looks a like remake. A, yeah, it looked like um I know I've like heard of the movie. There's like uh, I know there was it's a 70s film. All those 70s animals attacking yeah. films. That was one of the ones where they had real lions in it and they got in all kinds of trouble. And I think oh, that apparently happened on this on. this film too. They actually did yeah. film with real lions and someone got attacked by one and they're like they're like when I they're like, can you guys like not film with real lions? Like, have you not learned your lesson at all that this already happened once? That's funny. Yeah, when I saw that was coming out, I was like, Oh, that's a remake I could have covered. Yeah. He's I also saw him in pop Monkey up, so Man I was like, I was like Oh, he's up. in he's in that film. Like I haven't seen him in anything. He was in that uh I think he was in Hardcore Henry. Yeah, Russian first doll. Person he was movie. on that show. I'm actually like super, super, super into like Hardcore Henry came out killing the same people year as movies. Chappie. That was this year. Yeah. That was another He's case of like boy. somebody doing a uh, somebody doing a uh, like short concept and then being like, "Yeah, give this guy millions of dollars to make a movie," and then the movie well, comes out and you're like, you're like you ah, I don't people, know if I can handle this." You have like the Eggers that they continue to keep making like their own movies. And then you have other people like John Watts who did like one independent thing and they're like, fucking give them billion dollar movies. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very specifically like a weird, like, I don't even think, yeah, that has happened with like a Colin Trevorrow did that. He did that one movie safety, not guaranteed. And they were like, yep, that's the guy that'll helm Jurassic world. And people give them, don't give them any time to like grow as a director. Yeah. They just like force them right in. And then, and then they wonder why people look at him and go like, I criticize, like, I feel like John Watts at least has been pretty successful in that transition. But like some of the other ones, like it's very obvious that this person does not well, know look how to go make, to the other like, Spider-Man. Go to Mark Webb. Like, yeah, Five Hundred Days of Summer is great, but his Amazing Spider-Mans are like, what the yeah. hell happened? Yeah, and his name be... is Webb, and he can't even do he a Spider-Man do a movie. Spider-Man movie. <laughs> That's probably why he got hired. To be honest, oh, yeah, just that. Or then they take uh, now they're now they're trying to go like the opposite direction. They're trying to take like these. Uh, well, I guess kind of in the same way they're taking. They these take indie big directors like Scorsese, and they're like, "You're gonna make a cheap yeah. movie." But they did like like with Eternals, like Chloe Zhao. They're like they're like, "Did you see Nomadland?" I definitely think that person could direct a three hundred million dollar big budget sci fi. Well, it's weird movie. too because like, uh, when that movie was big, um, Nomadland, Eternals was already filmed. Yeah, so, like, like they filmed it before. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what's happening. It's a weird It's a weird case like uh, I guess it does still feel partially like I, like we're we're questioning like why doesn't why don't people offer Neil Blomkamp more directing roles uh and it's I I, I don't know if it just still was like more of just who you know and maybe he just doesn't know enough of the right people to to get into these things or I don't or is it just somewhere he doesn't want to go outside of South he's Africa, like he wants, to, he wants to film he's these He's going to have to go back there, there to revamp his career. I feel like, yeah, that's that's kind of what I feel. And he, since he's very recently like mentioned that he's that he's like definitely like, oh yeah, that's one hundred percent like my focus right now is is reviving that project, reviving that IP, and bringing that back. So I don't know, hopefully that like puts him back on the map for people because I I don't know if it's that's that's almost what I feel. It's just there's been too long of a gap of. He didn't release anything, and then like we were saying, Demonic didn't even have his name really attached to it. That, like, if yeah. if you mentioned it to some people, like Neil Blomkamp, like who's that guy? Like people hey, often, I you don't even realize. And, like I saw something the other day about Eva Mendes. They're like she's coming back to acting. I'm like, didn't even realize she left. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what what has Blomkamp put out 
like after Chappie. Chappie came out what you, you know said, it's 2015. Demonic. Yeah, it's demonic. <laughs> but like, but I'm just I'm looking at the numbers. Like, so what was like 2015 when Chappie yeah. came out? Because you yeah. said it was two years after this one, so that would be 2013, 2013 when this came yeah. out. So 2015. So there was a five year gap, and then he put out a movie in 2021, which COVID could have been the reason that got hurt, but like no one ever heard about it. And like yeah. at the same time, you know, Malignant came out during maybe, COVID as well. And, it wasn't and that movie that everybody watched. Movie. Maybe it was something that was shelved because it was awful, and they were like, we need content. Yeah, that also could be. Yeah. yeah, that was happening for a while there, so. I'm looking at his all the projects that he's directed, and he's done a lot of short films. A so lot of can... short films. He's another. He's another Harmony Corrin, where he's got like three movie, four movies, but like tons and tons and tons of shorts, like piles of them. Does does this movie pass the Bechtel test? <laughs> he's got like twelve Never. short films between. <laughs> what about when that woman talks to her her daughter? Yes, it does. What are they even talking about? Her leukemia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It does. It does. There you go. Just barely. It... He just snuck that one in there. Yeah. He I got don't it. Think Jodie Foster even has an interaction with another woman. No. Well, no. at the very end, when she gets stabbed in the neck, and like the the nurse is trying to help her and she's just like dying on the floor and it's just like eh, eh, no eh, and then just dies. wait Here's wait wait, wait. Here, she, she does the... she does tell one of her staff members who is another woman to do something uh she should have been the one in the other exoskeleton to fight matt damon it should have been, been great uh, that yeah, yeah that would have improved that, it if just yeah that that's an ending don't you right think there. it would have like it would have been so bad i agree if uh yeah i don't know that would like, be great thought... if like we were talking about like how like they shouldn't have brought charlotte copley's character back like they should have just had him stay dead if it was like one of those like like if she was like i guess i have to do everything around here myself or something like that. yeah <laughs> that would have been, been great shadows, like you see him in the machine so yeah. you think like he's coming back so he comes out of the shadows but when he walks in the light it's judy foster and yeah. she has this like fucking sword <laughs> i'm so here for that She's like, that well, at least yeah, we have a lot of time to learn things like martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she's kicking his ass. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that, that would have been a way cooler fight. I honestly think so. Would have so been a nice. Her would have been the only thing cooler because it would have been like nice twist as fight. well. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't do go. any of that in the, the next movie. So, yeah, like, I feel like sexist. I feel like we don't really have as much to say about this as I thought we would. <laughs> Quit bringing the podcast down. Uh, hey, we are we already went over this. It's a very simple story. Wait, here's yeah. the funny thing about it. We've diverted from talking about Elysium, and Lexi's like brought it back in. But then I'm talking about Elysium, and Lexi's like, ah, I guess we don't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally talking about the movie, and you're just like, nah, we're good. Yeah, we're not done. enough. It's an okay movie. I honestly think that. Uh, in my mind, I think back to, I I hit I do hit Chappie, but I think District Nine, and I'm like, oh Blomkamp, and then I remember Elysium. Elysium's never anything that comes like first thing to my mind is like, oh yeah, it just kind of got lost in the fold. A good movie that is kind of forgettable, I guess. It just kind of blends in with a lot of other movies. I think if you want to give someone an action movie, like a really solid action movie for like their first time, I think it's a good 
starting place. It's like, here you go. Try this. Now, the only place you can start is Bad Boys 2 or Point Break. That's a proven fact. That is the only place you can start with action films. All right. I'm sorry. I I failed. (laughs) (laughs) But I was shot up into the sky because I was mad. Couldn't shoot uh, my phone. Those Those are both excellent films, though. So... That's why they're, yeah, they're the ones you gotta get. Better them. by Hot Fuzz, like Hot Fuzz makes yeah. them masterpieces. <laughs> which one do you want to watch? Uh, which which one, one do you want to watch first? first? <laughs> I just love that cut. That idea of just going straight into not don't even don't even watch Bad Boys. Just go straight to Bad Boys Two. Don't even bother with that first one. It's not even worth your time. <laughs> go right into the sequel. Don't I need to know the story? No, there isn't a story. You don't need to know it. Well, Bad Boys 1 is like, that's Michael Bay's first movie, unless you count his milk commercial. Who do you think, outside of Blomkamp, makes some of the best action sci-fi? Action sci-fi. I mean, James Cameron's an obvious option. Yeah, but he's almost like so far... That Garland uh, guy. Yeah, I was about to say Ex Machina, and he did Annihilation. And he did Men now, which I haven't seen. Apparently has a crazy act. But Machina has like the greatest action I've ever seen with um, Oscar Isaac tearing dance. up that fucking dance floor. <laughs> yeah, tearing up the dance floor. You just don't get action like that anymore. Uh, a sci-fi, ma- like a big a sci-fi. Yeah, it's like action. It's the dance floor scene that makes all the action happen. That, that's fair. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, ac- um, uh, Annihilation doesn't have a lot of action either until you mm. get like the very end of the movie and then like the zombie bear thing that's really fucking terrifying i don't like annihilation very much but whatever looper's a good piece of action sci-fi yeah it's a good one i uh, i think like like i don't know that there's any any director he's not really that's... the sci-fi director you know yeah there's right. not like I, I don't know a lot of people that are specifically doing like just sci-fi action but like um i had one in my mind and now it's gone uh maybe it's uh villeneuve now Villeneuve, he's one of them. Uh, oh, like I don't live, think live die repeat. Like that's a really good sci-fi action. Which again, we we mentioned on the last one. Like I don't even know who the director is to that. Doug Liman. Oh, Luke oh, okay. Besson. Luke he Besson. does a lot of good action movies, but I I would yeah. probably say sci-fi is more rare for him. Yeah, Luke Besson does some of the best action sci-fi. Yeah, but Luke Besson also does some of the best action movies. Some of those French French action directors, they do a lot of like action sci-fi and a lot of dystopian stuff, and like yeah. they knock his, that shit his, out the park every time. His last one was just okay though, Valerian. Like, oh, that was awful. I don't know what was, happened there. Yeah, that, that was based a, on the comic. Like, I thought that was going to be so much better than it was. Yeah. It was really disappointing. It was Zane yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they were seeing him in the sense then, so they were in a whole goddamn movie. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Valerian. Valerian was it's, terrible, yeah, absolutely so awful, good. really disappointing. And when you know, and you think about Luke Besson also does like uh, action comedy really well too. Like he did the taxi movies and like stuff like that. Like his action stuff is down packed. I think he just whatever whatever he wants to what do as an action. Taxi movies. Okay, so like you know that one that came out with um Jimmy with Fallon. uh Qu- Jimmy yeah Jimmy Fallon? Fallon. That was a remake of the French films, which are basically the same plot. Like a oh. guy's a taxi driver, but he does it like crazy stuff and like bank heists and all this kind of stuff but like busan uh he made those movies yeah i don't know uh, i think like the greatest sci-fi like i think of in recent history is arrival 
It's not action. Yeah. No, not at all. I was about to say, like, Dennis Villeneuve, I would describe as, like, a really good... He's got, like... He's a good sci-fi more, director. He, he's, he's got, like, more action with Dune and Blade Runner. Like, those had more action than, mm-hmm. like, Arrival and, uh, and his earlier ones. So it's he's, not... He's getting some more action, but... I wouldn't call it action sci-fi though. Like even Blade Runner, like yeah. the, especially the Blade Runner remake, like or the sequel. I'm sorry, like that the one's action and Blade very Runner slow. Is like very is like slow. Twenty minutes of like action tops yeah. of like a three-hour movie. Compare that to the original Blade Runner, which has like way more action. The fight, in it. the fight in the ocean with like they're like supersonic speed underwater, but we never <laughs> never see it. Love it. I love. I, I think I love uh, twenty forty nine more than the original Blade Runner. To be honest, I fell asleep watching it in the theater. Well, I don't know how you must. We have couldn't fall asleep because because uh, there was a guy eating a big old box of sauerkraut in our theater, so you couldn't go to sleep in that one because that just <laughs> that smell just hit you in the face. I was just so hungry for sauerkraut the whole movie. Like I was so funny. That was the weird. Like that may be the weirdest like food I've ever seen. Someone sneak into a theater was like just sitting there and just be like. What is what? And just look over. This guy just has a whole container with like it. I maybe there was something underneath it. Maybe there was like cabbage and noodles somewhere buried in there. But it just looked like a whole box of sauerkraut he was eating out of. I wonder if they got it from the theater. Like, there's no way they got that from the theater. (laughs) Please, sir, give me all of your sauerkraut. I think it's interesting to see how much Blomkamp's visual style impacted like media. I know it impacted everything. Like, even though he's only got three films under his belt, like you can see his robot designs like carry out through like everything else. You can see it all carry through like movies and television. You can see it in video games. He's had a really strong impact on the game industry. Like you can see Blomkamp's game uh, designs all throughout video games. games. He did. What's the stat? Like when you look at like District Nine, I said District Nine is like he went. He reached into like every single thing out there and pulled from everything and dumped it together and glued it together in a way that it became original. Like nothing he did was original, but the way that he put it all together inadvertently made something new and fresh. And so like, even though he's giving you a bologna sandwich, he's giving you a really fucking awesome bologna Stop sandwich. Stop with these analogies. No, because nobody understands when you make car analogies. So I have to use food now. No one's getting the bologna sandwich <laughs> analogy. It makes very little sense. You want a cheeseburger then? That's a real basic food that everybody eats. You're a bologna sandwich. <laughs> That's like you could be a gourmet chef or you could make Big Macs, but everyone eats Big Macs, right? Something like that. Was how that thing go? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. It's like making things that are like more for wider audiences. Right. I, I'm more fond of things that are really niche and just i mean maybe just don't blow an entire budget on something like that you want that like caviar instead of you know the big mac yeah that's why like i'm excited about aronofsky's the whale yeah i cannot sure wait for that money, i'm sure not a lot of money has been put into that movie it could fucking bomb and the studio is not going to give a shit it that's probably my... at the very least will be you know, like you, uh, you mentioned off the podcast, but it'll probably be up for Academy Awards. That's my like Oscar that. prediction. I fully believe that this will be Brendan Fraser's first Academy Award, hands down. You better, I fully you better just it. when when we do when we do uh, uh, Oscars next year, that better be like the sheet you turn back in that just says just has nothing but Brendan Fraser's yeah. name highlighted and nothing else is written on. It. It's like, aren't you making any other predictions? It's like, no. 
I'm no. living and dying by we, this prediction. The whale. Picture for it on a, I think it was also the Entertainment Tonight, the same one that we watched. Yeah. And, and Steph looks at me and she's like, "Did he? Did they call it the whale? <laughs> like his his name's the whale? Like he's he's a like, 600 pound man." She's like, "I don't feel very comfortable with that." <laughs> I think this like is the too mean. Like it's too mean spirited. I'm like. I think this no. is the one where the guy fuses to his couch as well, and they had to knock the wall out of his house to get him out. I think that goes along with this story. Uh, well, it might be based on something like that, but I don't think that it's a true story. It's totally a no. I thought it was based on a real story. person. Not. I'm 100 percent here for it. Shit up. Yeah. Well, the wrestler was based on a real person. Hey, who? I can't remember, but it is Just based a on a real wrestler. wrestler. No, it was a real one. That was 100% a real guy. If you can, you know what? You got to ask Jacob that question. He can answer that for you. It is based on a real person. Uh, if you ask Jacob, he'd probably just be lying. That's fair. Wow. <laughs> it was based off of uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. 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 yeah, he says brother once. It's totally false. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Call it duty. Is that what you're playing? <laughs> Does anybody else have anything else to say about this movie? You're nope. not the hell. Call it duty. I that's don't all, care. That's, that's our that's our ending it there. It's it's hot in my house, and I want to play stray. Yeah, I'm sticking to my chair right now. So, ew. Yeah, it's hot. Dude, it's it's like yeah, it's I like a hundred degrees on. here. We are the only one because if I had mine on, you wouldn't be able to hear my audio properly. We'll get you a better mic, and then you'll will you get yourself a better mic? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Listen. And then it won't pick up the, uh, the I got a, those sounds. I've got a better job. So I just need to move, and then I can invest in equipment. But until then, I gotta wait. You got at least another like month of this, if not more. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That was a good episode. I Thanks so. everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with Chaffee. Yeah. Bye. See ya. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.